Hi, I'm Phil. And I'm Shane. And you're listening to episode number 34 of My Tech Opinion. In this episode, our feature topic is going to look at Christmas because it is Christmas time and what some of our favorite ideas are for gift giving this year. So let's get the show underway now. Welcome to My Tech Opinion, episode number 34. Uh, my name is Philip, as I'm in Melbourne, and I'm joined by my regular co-host, who's over in Perth, Shane Johnston. G'day, Shane. How are you? Hey, Phil. How are you doing? Good, good. Uh, getting ready for the lead up to Christmas, or you just can't be bothered? Um, uh, it's It has a different kind of feel each year. Um, I mean, it's probably lost its traditional meaning, and it's just all about you know buying stuff for people. True. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. My favourite person to buy Christmas presents for is me. Yeah, exactly. So, yes. And I'll talk about one later. Anyway. Um, what's been happening this week? The first thing that you've got listed in our little news item is KO, the Fox Sports streaming service, worth it. Said no EPL, no badminton, no synchronized swimming, no drone racing, no esports, no Quidditch. Yes. So let's let's go back. The question is: Is KO worth it? Do you think it's worth it, or you don't think it's worth it? Well, see, I was under the impression I knew that there was obviously the connection with Foxtel. But I yep. didn't realise that at the time that it was limited to basically what Foxtel had the licence to, which is hence the no EPL because um, SBS has got that or Optus has got it. Optus has got it. Um, I thought it was just basically open slather and they'll just get, you know, get coverage for whatever's popular. I mean, obviously they can't have every sport on the planet, but I thought they would have had, um, you know, a little a wider variety than what they've got. Um, yeah, I see your point, but, um, it's basically, it's, you can get the Foxtel sports packages, um, and that without having to worry about any other channels. And a lot of people get it for sport. Yeah. So for example, if you got Foxtel on their big Christmas sale, you have to get the entertainment package as a base and then add sport onto it. Uh, and if you want it, and then adding in HD as well, the cheapest price you can get it for is 68 bucks a month. Yep. And they're offering just the sports for 25 Yeah. Yeah. Comparing it to what else is legally available to us, yeah, I understand. Um, I guess even if you went with... Because I'm a Telstra customer, I get the AFL included in that. Um, yeah, but that's for a mobile device. Yeah, but you can um, – I'm assuming I actually never try. I'm sure you can You can Chromecast it. Yeah, but it's limited to a certain screen size as of this year. Uh-huh. So if you try and – if you can cast it, it will be in only uh, – like even if you watch it on an iPad, yeah, it is only the same screen size as a phone. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, the other thing was I was watching the cricket the other day on KO, and um, I actually reckon in Melbourne that the full HD picture I was getting on KO was better quality than the 7 HD feed I was getting on my TV. Oh, really? And I had it running. I had the KO feed running on my um, Mac, and I had my uh, – and the 7 running on the TV that's next to my Mac. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, watching them side by side. The other thing is, if you're really into Indian cricket, you can watch the test matches with Hindi commentary. Okay. Which is weird. Yeah. So, um, is there a delay? Like, is like when you there's an there's an encoding delay. It's about twenty seconds. Oh, okay. But that's but if you're watching it just on that service, you wouldn't, and and that's it. It's a twenty second delay from seven. So seven has about a five second delay too, I believe, because of the digital encoding. Yeah. So you're probably about 25, 30 seconds behind the actual play. Uh, okay, cool. I noticed that um, on a related topic that when I come home and I'm listening to like, you know, I'll, I'll come home and I'm, I'm listening to a podcast or something through my phone and then when I get home it jumps into my Wi-Fi. There's a delay there too because like I'll listen to the last, I'll hear the last five or ten seconds of the podcast over again. But is that handing it over? Yeah. Yeah, but I, I think the the app does that deliberately. So I've noticed that um, that even on the Apple Podcast app, if I have put my headphones away, my wireless headphones away um, in anticipation of getting in the car and then turn it back on in the car, it will do the same thing. It's, it's to ensure that you don't miss anything. Because oh, I wasn't sure whether it actually worked both ways or whether it just worked going from 4G to Wi-Fi. No, I think you'd find if you were listening to it and then change over to your phone, you'd get the same thing. Oh. It just pushes, it just replays the last ten seconds. Okay. That's handy. So, hmm. so yes, um, I also lucked out as well. I'm an American Express card holder, and we are not sponsored by American Express. Um, but they had a for the first month of Ko. If you signed up to a deal, you got a fifteen dollars statement credit. So Ko's only cost me ten bucks this month. All right. So I was happy with that. Hmm. Uh, in other news, in uh, more serious news, uh, the access and assurance bill that we talked about a few um, uh, episodes ago was passed through Parliament this week. Um, the Labor Party were initially looking at creating some changes or even provisions for changes early next year, um, and it ended up going through as uh, written, and it was bipartisan support from Labor and Liberals, and therefore it's gone through and it will kick in from the mid-January next year, and people are shitting themselves over it. I still can't understand how it's technically going to work because, you know, people like the the creators behind WhatsApp and all that kind of stuff aren't going to, you know, create a version for Australian customers that's got bloody loopholes and stuff in it. Yeah. Look, it's going to be – I think the worst case – there's a worst case scenario – and that is Apple pulls out of Australia, like in, in an Apple case. Mm-hmm. Um, whether they get to that point, I don't know. I don't think they will. But I I personally, I, I'm concerned about the rules. 
I'm concerned about what it means and I would prefer them not to go through the way they are. However, I also think that it's probably going to be worse than they suggest it going to be. Um, But, you know, I think it does have a real issue for Australian businesses, though, Mm -hmm. um, in terms of those who are seen as, well, are they bidding the government's... um, uh, um, doing the government's job by creating backdoors in and things like that, and will we see uh, companies who who decide to domicile themselves overseas? I mean, you look at a company like Atlassian; they might decide that, well, we're going to move our head office somewhere else now. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what that um, what impacts that will have, and I think we're going to find out the hard way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think to an extent we'll be kind of ostracised. Yeah, and and I think the the concern is is that it's that the unknown. We don't know where it is. The other one is is that there's provisions in the law that you can't tell anyone that you've been doing stuff. So I wonder if they can legally do the warrant canary scenario that they do in the US, which is they're legally not allowed to tell people that they've had a law enforcement request for information. However. If they haven't had one, they will put a note in their annual report saying we have not had requests for a law enforcement, uh, you know, for information. And if they do have one, then they don't put one in there. Yep. Which says, yes, they've had one. So I wonder if they're legally able to do a warrant canary under these new laws. I think that they're misguided. I think that they're from a parliament that doesn't exactly know what they're actually doing. And I think it's from a law enforcement agency that are trying to do their work, but not operating in the real world and a lot of the encryption that they use to actually keep their systems secure are the things that they're looking to break. Yep. And that is the concern. Yep. You know what it'll take for them to realise that they've done the wrong thing and potentially reverse it? If something like um, if something government-based got hacked, whether it be MyGov or something closer to the cabinet or, or whatever. You know what we actually this this is this is what we need. This will fix a lot of them up. And I say this as a scenario, not that I'm going to try and do anything. I'm not going to support anyone doing this. I'm just going to say this as a scenario, making that caveat clear right now. That um, we have uh, my health record comes in, and my health record is breached with a large data breach of people's information directly as a result of the government weakening encryption through a particular provider. Yep. That would be justice served up, served in a dish, a cold dish or whatever it's called, dish that's cold or something, whatever the friggin' <laughs> thing is. It is concerning though, and I think we're going to learn a lot more about what all this means and what's going to what's going to happen with it as we move along. Um, in other words, uh, but talking about uh, you know rumored um, breaking, um, you know, utilizing systems incorrectly, uh, the Huawei CFO, global CFO, was arrested for allegedly violating U.S. sanctions on Iran. Um, the Canada's arrested Huawei's um, global chief financial officer in Vancouver, where she is facing extradition to the United States on suspicion she violated U.S. sanctions against Iran. Canadian authorities confirmed, uh, this is from news.com.au, 
confirmed the arrest with Justice Department spokesman Ian McLeodon. Meng, I said Meng Wanzhou was detained in Vancouver, British Columbia, Columbia last Saturday. Um, there's been a media ban from providing further details and things like that. Now, the thing is, is that there is no if even if Huawei did sell products to Iran, there's no trade sanctions between China and Iran. No, but the Chinese government are particularly um, happy with it, and they are also. Um, uh, I'm looking for the right. Um, let's have a look. So I, um, I can't. Sorry. I think as you were alluding to, the issue is um, the sanctions that America put in place. I guess America's allies have to kind of fall into lines, which is probably why Canada's the ones that actually did the arrest. But, yeah, like China doesn't have any issues with Iran. Yeah. It said, Huawei issued a statement saying Ms. Meng was changing flights in Canada when she was detained on behalf of the United States to face unspecified charges in New York. The company has been provided very little information regarding the charges and is not aware of any wrongdoing by Ms. Meng, the statement said. Huawei said it complies with all laws and rules and where it operates, including export controls and sanctions of the United Nations the and the US and European Union. So not a good time for Huawei with... Uh, they have um, been denied even bidding for a 5G network in Australia. Uh, other countries are starting to do the same thing. And I read that British Telecom or a company in the UK has gone so far that they're actually pulling out uh, Huawei manufactured um, network-based equipment on their 4G networks. Well, that's what I said way back in episode 20 when we were having a chat with that Steve guy. I said, you know, a, we've already got Huawei equipment in place on 4G, and B, we're buying their phones like there's no tomorrow. Um, yeah, we either ban the equipment or we don't. Yeah, look, it's going to be an interesting one. It'll be interesting to see what the rub is on that. I think that she's going to get off. But anyway, I think it's the US trying to be um, uh, wielding, trying to do a bit of beat, big dick energy. Are you um, trying to think of saber rattling? Is that the term you're looking for? Oh, that's a nicer way of putting it than <laughs> what I said. In other news, though, Telstra touts this week new 5G milestones, including a prototype smartphone on a test 5G network. The Telstra Co has completed what it calls Australia's first 5G to 5G, 5G video call between the Sydney and Gold Coast. The call was completed last week in conjunction with the Telco's network. Uh, technology partners Ericsson and Qualcomm and demonstrated again today what the company described as real-world conditions. The five, the Australian, well, it, no, it doesn't. But anyway, the Australian first commercial 5G video call shows off how close to reality 5G is and how close we are to having our network ready for the first commercial 5G devices to go on sale in 2019, said Telstra Networks and IT executive Nikos Katanakis in a company blog post. They also showed off a ZTE a prototype rectangular smartphone device capable of making 5G calls as well as 5G mobile hotspot prototype with US company Insego. Right. All the crap about 5G. Mm -hmm. I think this is the biggest load of nonsense that I've heard in a long time. And what I mean by that is that 5G is going to be great. It's the next phase in our technology, you know. It's what goes on, so on and so forth. No, no question about that. 
they, that said, when I remember getting my iPhone 5, which was the first iPhone to have 4G, and I was at the MCG for a final. There was 90,000 people there. I got it the day before, turned, got up at the MCG and, you know, the data, you know, network on um, the um, the MCG would always collapse when during games, when breaks and stuff like that, people wanted to do stuff. And I was sitting there using the phone at points during the game going, my God, it's amazing. It's working seamlessly. But the thing was, not many people had 4G phones at that point. No. Fast forward 12 months later, and it's a piece of crap. Full of congestion. You can't do anything. That's why they're rolling out these bloody Wi-Fi networks at, you know, Marvel Stadium, or they've rolled them out at Marvel Stadium some time ago at, at the MCG and things like that, because the systems can't handle the capacity when they've got so many people in one small spot at one time. Now, they've said that they've used this 5G device in real-world conditions. What? In the Gold Coast with one device attached to the network or two. That's not real-world conditions. You need a million devices in the region all accessing the network at the same time to actually determine how well it works. So, yes, it is an important step. I agree. But congestion is an issue, and it is the one failing... um, the one failing thing of um, mobile networks. They have always suffered from congestion in when areas where there was a lot of people, a lot of people using devices at one time. And I have not seen any evidence, and I'm sure if there's a 5G engineer listening to our podcast that they will be sending us an email to itechopinion at prosumerit.com. Happy to be corrected. But it's the same thing's going to happen. In three years' time, we're going to be talking about congestion on the 5G network. So, to... To <laughs> cut me off at my rant. Yes, go ahead. So, to um, be a little bit more optimistic than Phil, um, I and I don't know the technical ins and outs, but just generally, I believe 5G, 5G um, will cope with congestion better than 4G. Um, there's already 130 base stations um, rolled out and up and running on the 5G network, on the Telstra 5G network. Um, I believe that they aren't actually in Sydney and Melbourne. They're everywhere else except Sydney and Melbourne. Um, the main reason is because they haven't sorted out the um, spectrum, so they don't know what frequencies they're going to um, use at the moment. So all the testing and everything they've been doing has actually been um, used on 3G frequencies. And I thought that part of the benefit of the 5G was actually the fact that it actually worked on the higher frequency range, which is what gave it, you know, the the ability to kind of cope with congestion and all that kind of stuff better. So, um, so there's that. So there's as soon as that, as soon as they get the spectrum sorted out, I believe they're going to bump it up. At the moment, with the prototype that they used, it had to um, register itself on the network on the 4G network. And then it bumped up, moved up to the 5G network. Now, I don't know whether that will always be the case or whether it's because it was the prototype. And, you know, when the actual 5G phones come out, they'll just work on 5G by themselves. I'm not a, not 100% sure. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. And what I'm saying is that that's the case. 
in terms of the congestion thing. I think that the 4G network will still be required and it's going to be the fallback for a long period of time. But, um, yeah, I'm just having a look at this. Just some information at the moment. It says, there's no single technology can fix, it can fix the issues of urban network congestion. Instead, the right balance uh, of different solutions must be adopted, One, each one carefully applied to the right situation, as well as the existing and new macro cells. They could be outdoor small cells that can provide additional capacity in high-demand areas such as shopping centre, business zone, urban hotspots and city centres. Indoor small cells, which can, can be used to boost capacity for workers, members of the public and large buildings, blah, 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 blah. But that's the same with the 4G network. I just, I just look at, there's articles that, like there's an article that came up when I did 5G congestion issues. Um, the first Google result result was from a website called the Information Age, which would could frustrations with network congestion be a thing of the past. Then the second one was from a website called The Conversation, and the headline is the 5G network threatens to overcrowd the airwaves, putting weather radar at risk. So, like, I think that once again there's a bit of an unknown issue. Um, I think even ACMA have got a paper on it. Uh, 5G and mobile network developments merging issues discussion paper from February 2016. So there you go. I haven't even read that. I'm not going to read it right now because I think it would be a really boring podcast. (laughs) But look, you know, in short, I think that, you know, I see Telstra's point. I think that, you know, they've got to develop these things. Spectrum is a part of an issue, and I believe that going back to your point there, Shane, about the um, the fact that they have don't have them in Sydney or Melbourne yet, that is, I think, because they haven't got the appropriate amount of Spectrum to do that at this point. Yeah. So that's the reason for that. So, yeah, interesting stuff. So there you go. The last thing in our little news segment today, um, there's suggestions coming out of Microsoft that Microsoft are looking at ditching their back end of their Edge browser that they use for HTML rendering, and they're going to go to a version of Chromium, which is the the thing that drives Chrome. Um, so the rendering engine is called Edge HTML that they currently have. They designed it to go into Windows 10 in 2015, but it hasn't had the pickup that other people wanted in it. Um, and so I know that Microsoft have been doing work with... Um, uh, Google and in particular the guys that do Chrome in look at getting an ARM version going for um, the Surface uh, devices that use um, that use ARM processors, uh, and this may be the next uh, thing that they do. So you know what though, mm-hmm. I have no issue with that. I'm sick of um, going to websites that use different rendering engines all the time, and you know different websites react differently. And some, there's no doubt that Chrome and Firefox, I think, are the two gold standard browsers going around at the moment um, from their rendering perspective. Obviously, Mozilla do theirs. And I think Chrome is a fork off Mo, the Mozilla rendering engine anyway. What annoys me, though, is that I've got a couple of tools like my Ubiquity equipment, um, things like the video feed and what have you for my security cameras only work on Chrome. Okay, well, that's a good thing then that they're going. Well, well to... yeah, from from my, from going to Microsoft, it's fine. The thing I don't like about it is that they only work on Chrome, and I am not a fan of Chrome. Oh, okay. 
Uh, I try not use it if I don't have to. I was a Safari user, and I think that Apple have, you know, that is a Mozilla-based um, rendering engine, but Mark, uh, Apple sort of not kept that up as much as they should have. But I now use Firefox almost exclusively on my personal machines. So um, I'm, yeah, I, that's what I prefer to see them get that support across there as well because I don't trust Google. Oh, okay. On free stuff. Like, you know, I pay them for certain things, but that's because they have a good option that's out there. But, mm. yeah, I'd rather to do other things anyway. So, but look, in overall, I think it's a good thing. I think that, you know, um, Chrome, it, it's a double-edged sword for, for Google and Chrome. I think that um, they would be like, yeah, we're getting a standard and they're using our product, so it's a bit of a win for them. But at the same side, because Microsoft are engineering it, um, using that rendering engine, it doesn't have all the same benefits to Google with tracking and things like that that they might have if you're using Chrome logged into a Microsoft, uh, into a Google account. Yeah. So. The other thing I'm interested to find out is because at the moment we use, um, at work we use Citrix to uh, access, you know, our network remotely. We don't use Citrix. We don't use like Zen Desktop. We use um, Zen App. So we go in to a web interface and then load whatever applications basically from that web interface. Now, when we use Chrome, it doesn't load the applications. And when we use Edge, it doesn't work half the time either. The only thing it works sort of reliably in is Internet Explorer, i.e. 11. So it be interesting to see if it's going to break that. Yeah, look, it'd be interesting to say. I think a lot of businesses have used Internet Explorer for a long time. I know that we still have Internet Explorer 11 at my work, um, but we now have Firefox as well. But that's because certain um, uh, web-based apps, um, you know, like even though it's an in-house app, it might use the web interface, uh, only work in Internet Explorer, and we've still got 11 on there. So that's a concern, mm. mind you. Yeah. And you can still install 11 on uh, on Windows 10 if you need to as well for those businesses that are doing that. So it's up to those developers to get those updated versions out there as well. I mean, Citrix will need to do that, yep. and um, you probably find that uh, you'll probably get to that point where you can roll an update out, and it should work on everyone nicely. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's our... Um, uh, a bit of a news discussion for this week on episode 34. Um, you can find links to some stuff we looked about on our show notes, which you can do later on. Um, before we go into that, I was going to mention our sponsor, um, athwebhosting.com.au. Uh, Aussie Tickets Web Hosting provide great hosting plans and support. So have a look at their website, athwebhosting.com.au, for more information. So that's good stuff. I'm sounding really weird. Anyway. No weirder than usual. Thanks. <laughs> we might go to a quick break, though, and come back with our feature topic, which we're talking about Christmas presents. Christmas is not my favourite time of year, but presents are. So we're going to do that. And we'll be back straight after this on My Tech Opinion. And welcome back to My Tech Opinion. It's now time for our feature topic on episode 34, and we're talking Christmas Tech Gift Guide. Shane, yes. have you done your shopping yet? No, and I was sitting there thinking earlier, because we had, we had 
weird kind of rules in relation to doing Christmas shopping and like who we bought for and then, you know, at a certain age it kind of stopped and now with obviously me and, and, and my ex kind of separating and all that kind of stuff, do I just buy for my folks and I, do I not worry about my brother and sister? I can't remember how it all works. So I think I just get everybody gift vouchers. Right. Fair enough. So you're going to get gift vouchers. What do you want for Christmas? Well, so that's how I tackled this week's topic or this episode's topic because you could tackle it two ways. You can go, all right, so what would I buy other members in my family from a tech point of view or do I tackle it like what do I want from a tech point of view? And I went with the latter option. Right. So what we've done is we've split up stuff and we've got really haven't got a lot of stuff under 100, which is, you know, a bit remiss of us. It shows we've got expensive taste. Um, We've split our stuff up into four categories. So we've got under $100, 100 to 300. So tech presents. So we're doing tech presents and they're available in Australia. So there's stuff that you might, if you're listening overseas, there's stuff that you might like, but unfortunately, sorry, if it if it's not available or the pricing might be different. So there's something we've mentioned might actually be cheaper overseas. Probably will be. We'll just throw that out. So there's under 100, there's 100 to 300, there's 300 to 1,000. I know that's a big jump, that one. And then there's over 1,000. Yep. That's my uh, couple. Um and I like the one that you've added in, which we'll talk about later on, <laughs> that's over a 1,000. Um, okay, so the first one we've got, you found it on Amazon.com.au, the Beneve, the Beneve Smart Doorbell, $69. What appeals to you about this or you just found it? Well, I've been looking for one that actually works with, ideally works with um, all my Google stuff because I'm a Google kind of family of one. Um, and... So anything on Amazon is all gonna Amazon um, is all ring related, and there's nothing. But not not even JB Hi-Fi had anything kind of Nest related. The only thing I could find Nest wise, camera wise, is like covers and all that kind of stuff. Um, I did stumble across the um, the smoke alarm, and I considered putting that on the list. Um, but no, I'd probably get more use out of a smart doorbell. So. That's the only one that I went for that had, you know, decent sort of HD quality. Um, it was Wi-Fi. There was others there that were battery operated, whereas I think this one you can actually be can be hardwired in. Yeah, I think it said USB and you can put a 24-volt cable to it as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm not 100% sure whether it is actually uh, compatible with all the Google stuff, but I think it might also be an IP camera. So I can always network it. So it's no big, and it has a yeah. phone app. I've been struggling a lot with um, IP cameras because um, I was looking at one for my new house to do as a doorbell to hook into the PABX, and I haven't really found anything. So I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, right. But uh, I will look at other options. I might end up going with a ring doorbell. Who knows? I thought you were um, making something. To, you know, yeah, you I want. was, but I haven't found exactly what I want. Uh, okay. And then I've left it too long and I don't really want to know if I want to do the cabling now. No, okay. Well, yeah, now that you bulldoze in your house. yeah. Well, yeah, I, I sort of left it too late to do the cabling. So, yeah. Um, 
the one I've just found one, and I reckon, and there's a few around, and there's probably one at JB as well. Like I'm just throwing one that I found on Amazon. Is you can get a dash cam, which is under a hundred bucks. So I found one on uh, um, uh, Amazon Blue Sky CB One W Wi-Fi Mini Dash Cam Car Vehicle Video Driving Route. They've just added all the words into the description. In other words, it's a 1080p, 30 frames per second loop recording dash cam for 80 bucks. So there you go, and it's available on Amazon.com.au. So it is 80 bucks, and I'll add that into the list. So yeah, so. Dash cams are becoming a thing. One of my favourite things to do these days is have a look at Dash Cam Owners Australia videos. Do you subscribe to that uh, Facebook group, Shane? No, I don't. I was thinking about Dash Cams this afternoon, and I'm just looking at one that was on um, one of the Twitch shows. I think it's called The Owl. It's, it's both a, a um, front-facing and, and inside Dash Cam. That's cool. But I'm trying to find it on um, Amazon, and I'm struggling. Um, let's have a look, dash cam. We're going to have a link to all of these. Um, no affiliate links. We're not going to make any money off you. We should do it, but you know, yeah, that's just what happens. Um, yeah, I'm looking at JB at dash cams. There's ones with screens are more expensive. However, there's a Navman full HD dash cam with GPS tracking and it has a little uh, screen on it. 99 bucks. All right. So there you go. That could be an option for you. And there's a, f- a few cheaper ones that are that are in that particular realm. If you don't care about the the screen or something like that, so Uni Den Uni Den Uni Den iGo Cam ninety nine bucks. There's a heap of options available. So there you go. Another one dash cam. So there's our two items: um, smart doorbell and a dash cam in the under hundred dollar bracket. The next one, we're going to go to the $1 to $300 bracket. And the first one we've got on the list is the Google Home Hub, which is coming in about $199 at the moment. Do you want? Have you looked at one of these? I have. Um, and to be honest, I'd probably lean towards the next one, the Lenovo Smart Display, which is a bigger display, and it still supports all the Google Assistant stuff. Um, and at the moment, I think JB Hi-Fi, is that the link I've got? Yeah, JB Hi-Fi are throwing in a little Google, um, what do you call it? Not the not the, not the the original one, the little dot thing. Google Home Mini. Yeah, it's not called a dot. Yeah, that's the other model. Um, yeah, because I think that might be a little bit more functional, believe it or not, than the the one made by, by Google. Because, I mean, the Google one doesn't even have a – a camera, which is a good or a bad thing. Um, yeah, they've obviously decided to keep it out because of security reasons and all that kind of stuff. Whereas I think the Lenovo one, the Facebook portal, um, they've all decided to keep the camera in there for video conferencing, and they give you like a little um, thing to block the camera if you're, you know, if you're paranoid. Yep, I was at the bank yesterday, and uh, the bank had a webcam covers, the little slider, but with the bank logo on it. All right, clever. We should do it to all their employees. Anyway, um, yeah. So I probably would go. The, I I don't know which one I'd go for. The Google, the Lenovo display is um, is the bigger display, and you get the Google Home Mini, and then the Google Home Hub is, I think, a more svelte looking device, though. Yeah, 
Yeah. So, yeah. The only reason why I won't get one is that I don't use the one we've got here enough. And if it played Apple Music, then I'd get one. Oh, okay. Because well, I use Apple Music. Oh, so you're not a Spotify user? Nope. Yeah. So, yes. And I'll explain a product that I would use later on that gives me a bit more freedom. But, yes. so that And, and really, that's the only reason. Like, it's not because it's Google or anything like that. Yeah. It's it's the um, – it's the um, it's the music function because that's where I can see it being used. Yeah. Because I like the fact that they've sort of designed them as sort of kitchen devices. To be honest. Yeah. For yeah, like recipes and cooking and talking to people while you're cooking and. Yeah, mind you, I don't do a lot of video calling. Like I just find it a bit awkward. Do you think that's a generational thing? Um, possibly, but you know. Maybe I don't do a lot of calling in general. Yeah, it's true. So, yeah. Anyway, so there's uh, two smart home hubs available there. The Google Home Hub for $199 and Lenovo Smart Spay for $299. The one I threw in there was for the nostalgia of us, uh, of those out there, PlayStation have the PlayStation Classic, which after the success of uh, the Super the Nintendo NES uh, reboot and the Super Nintendo NES reboot, uh, they bought out a PlayStation Classic, which is a mini version of the PlayStation 1 with a few games on there as well. Um, that That's selling for 149 and I'm just having a look at, uh, does it say what games that are on there? Um, description. Um, um, PlayStation Classic. I had seen this. See, so they've um, um, stopped making the PlayStation. Is it the Vivo or Vivo or something? Oh yeah, that they're they've announced that they're the the little handheld console. Yeah, smartphones killed them on that, really. Yeah, to be honest, that's true. Ah, here we go. The games on the PlayStation Classic. So you've got uh, Battle Arena Toshinden, which is like a Street Fighter type game. Cool Borders Two, Destruction Derby, Final Fantasy Seven. Grand Theft Auto, the original, Intelligent Cube, Mr. Driller, Metal Gear Solid, Jumping Flash, Oddworld Abe's Odyssey, Revelations Persona, Rayman, uh, Resident Evil Director's Cut, Ridge Racer Type 4, Super Puzzle Fighter 2, 2 Turbo, Siphon Filter, Tekken 3, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six first-person shooter. Wow, that the, the screenshot that they've got on this particular link on the Sony website, shows how far first-person shooters have come along. Uh, Twisted Metal and Wild Arms. And when you see these uh, images, you realize how far consoles have gone. Because I remember the PlayStation being amazing when it was out. And uh, they've certainly developed a lot further than that since. Yeah. Which breaks coming up. I haven't played my PlayStation 4 for a while. I really want to get back into it. But anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, PlayStation Classic, you can get that anyway. It's about 149 bucks. And uh, what does it come with? Does it come with a controller? Um, does it say what it comes with? I don't know. This is one that you put in. I right? think it comes with two controllers. No, it comes with two controllers and a little HDMI port too. And it even comes with a HDMI cable, which a lot of devices don't have that. 
So that's pretty cool. But it's the original PlayStation controller. It doesn't have the DualShock buttons. Anyway, uh, next category was 300 to 1,000. Yep. First one I put in there was the Anki Vector, which is a little AI sort of a robot-y thing. And so it looks like a little bulldozer. Um, oh, that thing. I saw that on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, say, say hey to Vector, your first home robot. Seriously, say hey, Vector. He can hear you. Actually, Vector's more than a home robot. He's your buddy, your, compar- your companion. Most of all, he'll make you laugh. Curious, independent, and powered by some pros- pros- uh, preposterous tech and AI, he can read the room, express the weather, announce when his time is done, no overcooked dinner on his watch, take the perfect snapshot, and much more. There you go. So the Anki Vector for $449. I think my dog would just eat, eat it. Isn't that the thing that just beeps at you? It doesn't actually, like, talk to you? I think so. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just making something else into the into one of the categories. Oh, cool. Because uh, when you talked robot, it reminded me of something. Now I can't find the name. You can even get a little uh, Anki Vector um, little pad that he just drives around on. Oh, okay. Weird. I have no real need to buy one of those. However, the next one that I would like to buy is the DJ Osmo Pocket. Now, I don't don't know if we mentioned this on our show last week, but DJI have bought out their, um, uh, you know, notable for their gimbals and what have you on their drones. Um, And they have uh, the Osmo handheld gimbal, which is quite a large unit. They announced a week or so ago that they would be bringing out the DJI DJI Osmo Pocket, which is a... A small um, gimbal camera um, that's going to retail in Australia for five hundred ninety-nine bucks, and it's got a four K camera in it. You can do four K sixty frames, which is awesome. The downside of it, it has an awful microphone on it. Oh, really? And you've got to buy a USB C to to TRS adapter so that you can get a decent microphone attached. But the video looks surprisingly good from what I've seen for a device that size. I got to play with one on Friday. Yeah. So the store uh, that I bought my drone from, um, they're a DJI reseller. They had a test unit in play. Um, it was really limited use because the app that, like, you can you need to set it up through the app. So you can record without the app, but to get into the pro mode or do the initial in- activation and things like that, you have to do through the app. The app hasn't been released yet. All right. So the people that have been testing it out have been doing it on a test flight app rather than um rather than through a proper um through a proper uh the app store. So um yeah, it's hard to tell. I'm I'm basically going off what I can see on YouTube reviews at the moment, but I'm making the statement I'm getting one and I'll probably have one by this time next week. <laughs> Because I'm going overseas over the Christmas break. There you go. So I'm going on a cruise. Oh, so you're going to Numea. Yes. But I can get duty free back. Um, I can get the GST back at the uh, the gate. Yeah. So I'm taking my drone. Probably won't fly it, but I'll take my drone and my Osmo and I'll get the money back. All about, all about finding the dollar, Shane. All about finding the dollar. I've just sold a heap of crap paying for my Osmo. Fair enough. Because I'm obsessed. 
<laughs> I'm just trying to. I'm just looking to see whether that thing that I just added to the list is actually available in Australia. It's um, you can buy it from their website, but um, I don't know what happens when I actually get to the point of putting my address. And if I put in like an Australian address, whether it'll get all upset with me or not. Oh, we'll have a look. We'll get, we'll get on to we'll get on to that later on. Yeah. Um, I was going to say because there's a picture of a girl on that. I'm like, mm, is that the robot? That's a different type of robot. Yeah. Uh, next one I've got on the list though. We'll talk about that later on. Is Sony wireless headphones? Sony have the WH1000XM3 wireless noise cancelling headphones. They're not cheap. They're on special at the moment for four hundred dollars. I have read a lot of reviews on them, and they are getting amazing reviews. All right. So Bose and um, Sennheiser and what have you have had the cornered the market on the good um, noise canceller headphones of recent times, um, but I am reading amazing reviews for Sony's gear. But it ain't cheap when you go the noise cancelling route, and then you're adding in them wirelessly at the same time. Yep. Yeah. So yes. So yeah, worth to have a look around for those. Um, and another one I threw in there was the Sonos Beam Soundbar, and I'm looking to get one of these too, because, <laughs> you know, I like to spend my money on shit. Um, I've got reasons for it, though. But, uh, yeah, uh, Sonos, which is, sells for about 600 bucks, 595 The reason why I like the Sonos Beam, yep. so a couple of reasons. Number one, only has one plug at the back other than power, and that is for HDMI ARC. So you feed it from your TV into it. Obviously, it's wireless for music and what have you. Hooks into your Wi-Fi network, and you can control it on your smartphone. And it has um, multi-room capability with any of the other Sonos products. If you're an Apple user, it has AirPlay 2. So you can use Apple's multi-room capabilities in there as well. Um, but the thing I like about it is that it's multi-platform capable. Yep. So if you're an Apple person, you can use Apple Music natively on it. You're not just casting to it. You're actually, or airplane to it, you're actually, it connects into your Apple Play, Apple Music account, and you can play your, you know, um, playlists and stuff natively on the device without having to push it from your phone. But you can use Spotify and you can use your Android phone, all that sort of stuff. Whereas, like, the thing I, that annoys me, like, Apple have got their HomePod, which I've had to listen to recently, listen to them in stereo pairing. They sound fantastic. But the thing I don't like about Apple, one, they need a analog or a digital audio input other than wireless. Because two of those together with some sort of connection would be a great soundbar. Um but the other thing is, is that you can only use into Apple Music. Now, I might turn around, I might use Apple Music now, but I might turn around and say, no, nah, I've had enough and I'm going to move to Spotify. And then the the good functionality in the HomePod leaves me in the lurch. And that's partly by design. That's Apple wanting you to stay with their ecosystem. Yeah. But the thing I like about the Sonos products is that they are, you know, they're like, we want to be a product for everyone. Yep. So... Now, this could be a psychological thing for me, but I, when I hear soundbar, I think, oh, yeah, this is only really designed to work with like a home theater big TV thing, and it's not really designed just for straight out music. Is that right? Wrong? Oh, if you're going to go, if you wanted to buy one just for music, 
then I'd buy something else. Okay. But so I'm I'm looking at it from a couple of perspectives. So um, my little first world problem scenario coming into play is that when we get the new house, um, I'm having built-in speakers in the ceiling of our living dining area and our outdoor area. So I want the ability to have multi-room audio connected to that. Um, I will have the home theater and then I was looking at, cause I've seen houses where they've gone, you know, we'll wire speakers up into every room and you can choose different rooms. Mm. My theory is, well, hang on. I want the, the, the wired in speakers in the, in the two key areas that we would listen to a lot of music and then everywhere else I can do whatever I like because it's like realistically, well, yes, I want the hidden speakers in the living dining, but in my study or in our bedroom or something like that, a wireless speaker, plug in a, you know, and I don't have to buy it all at once. Mm-hmm. I can go and buy a new Sonos speaker in 12 months when they bring out a new model, plug it in, and it's connected into the system. Yep. So basically what I would be looking at doing is saying, well, I want to buy a Sonos beam relatively soon because we're moving out of our house and I can't have my whole full home theater set up in the meantime. Um. But then when we move into the new house, I want a soundbar for the TV that can do double duty as music, and I want that in both our bedroom and our lounge room. First world problem, Shane, first world problem. So it's not a stopgap thing. You're actually going to use it continuously after it's, you've- it's partly a stopgap, partly forward planning. And then Sonos have got their new Connect Dance, which doesn't come out till next year. So that's, that, I can't put on that on there as a Christmas present, Christmas suggestion. But they've got their new device coming out early next year, and then they'll be looking at that for our outdoor area. Yeah. I'm going to be poor <laughs> for a little bit, for a long time, I think. But anyway, so yeah, so that was why I was suggesting that. The other one that I added in there, which you know, you and I probably wouldn't use one of these, but I'll throw it in there anyway. Uh, Dyson have got their um, for this is for your better halves, your loved ones in your life. Uh, Dyson have the supersonic hairdryer, which is the you know the fancy donut looking hairdryer that they bought out. They're about five hundred bucks for a hairdryer, um, but they also now have the Dyson air wrap styler, like it's a Dyson curling iron. All right, because you should never buy your significant other a vacuum cleaner. It is not a good sign. Or, or a lawnmower. Like, yeah, have you done that, have you? She says what she, she wanted. She said, I want a lawnmower. Okay. Well, if she wanted it, that's fine. But you don't just go off on your own and buy that. But you can still buy a product such as a Dyson, but not get the, you know, you get the hairdryer. So there you go. So they're about 500 bucks. Uh, and I think the hair wrap thing might even be more expensive than that. So there you go. Use a towel. Yeah, but Shane, trust me, I've been married for 10 years now, nearly 12. It, it's you, you can't just do that. <laughs> There's a lot of work that goes into it. And the final one that you've thrown in there is the DJI Spark Flymore combo for the $300 to $1,000 mark, which is $759. You can get that price from a lot of retailers. Uh, I like that you put the Flymore combo in there. Yes, which is the one you've got. Yes, so I recommend spend the extra two hundred bucks, get the Flymore combo because you get an extra battery, you get the carrying case, you get some extra propellers, you get a charger and stuff like that. It makes it so much easier. Yep. 
worth it. I get it. Yeah, um, the the drone's awesome. Love it. So it's really cool. So we've got our last um, category, which is the over one thousand dollar mark. Yep. Now you've thrown in there the Oppo One Plus. No, it's not Oppo. It's just one plus six six T phone for twelve hundred nineteen bucks from you can get it at Amazon. Um, do you want one? Are you gonna buy one? I was surprised by the price because the American price is about six hundred bucks or something American, and surely you don't just double it to to convert it to Australian dollars. That's coming from the UK too, I think. Is it? Yeah, oh, I didn't know. Look at that. Because it says sold by Kick Mobile's London. Yeah. But it's still obviously deli- delivered here, though. Otherwise, it wouldn't be in the dot AU. Oh, yeah, no, no. It's delivered here. Yeah. Let's see if I can see it, if it's available in Australia or they still haven't officially released it here. Um, Kogan have it for 1049 All right. 8 gig RAM, 128 gig storage. Um... I'm going to say Dick Smith ever, but that's Kogan. Um, let's see. Finder says that they've got it in places. Where where can you get it from Finder? I saw a story or about Finder Kogan, actually. Um, I only saw the headline, but it's something to do with their refund policy and people not getting all their money back and stuff. Wouldn't surprise me. No. They'll probably... Um, Ah, oh, okay. So uh, finder.com.au say for the one one plus six T, the good in screen fingerprint scanner, high RAM plus Snapdragon eight four five, teardrop notch design. These are the good. The bad, no headphone jack, which is pretty well getting becoming a standard now. Fixed storage, so you can't expand it. And the last one, no Australian launch plans. Really? Hmm. So there you go. So if um, we were to buy it, because I mean, if technically it's available here because you can get it through Amazon, you can get it through. Oh yeah. If it all goes pear shaped, I mean, do we get any sort of support? You'd have to have a look at it. I think I'm not quite sure. I don't want to recommend things to our listeners to find out that they're going to get all. Yeah. You know, if it all goes pear shaped or something goes wrong with the phone, they can't do anything about it. Yeah, I'm just having a quick look. Um, Same as those Xiaomi phones. They're everywhere these days. But I don't think they're officially here. Yeah, I don't know. You'd have to go for either send it back overseas or hope that someone... um, So hope that someone um, has it. A company called Expansus, which is an online retailer... And uh, depends on the model and things like that and what ratings and what have you. Yeah, it's uh, an interesting one. We'll see if we can find out a bit more about that one. Um, yeah, because the yeah, other issue is, you know, the power plug and all that kind of stuff. Are you going to get the right plug for yeah, that? Yeah, but, I mean, usually you can just use a different adapter for that because it's not like they're hardcore, you know. Like, they they just ship a different puck in there and off you go. Yeah. You can probably use anything. Um, so, yeah, so um, you might be able to get them a smidge under, but they're supposed to be a great phone. I don't know why they haven't officially released them here as a, a distri- you know, as a distributor yet. They probably could make a bit of a dent in the market. Yeah, maybe. Um, next one I've thrown in there is an 
Uh, I'm going to just say it's generic, but we will talk a specific brand. But an OLED TV. Yep. The latest and greatest in TVs. Uh, OLEDs are not cheap. They're usually about two and a half grand for a 55-inch going up and up and up and up and up. And the other thing is the sizing, the biggest that I can see available uh, at one of our favorite yellow retailers um, oh no, LG now have one, which LG have been the biggest, uh, have probably been prog- very progressive on the OLEDs. And I believe LG actually make the OLED screens for the other manufacturers. All right. So they make the panels and then the, the manufacturer does the rest. So the, um, generally the biggest size you can get is about 65 inch. However, LG have come up with a 77 inch. OLED that comes in at a healthy $10,996. I don't think I'm $10,000 crazy for a TV. No, not at all. But a sweet spot, um, you can get an LG OLED for about $24.95, 55-inch, um, or a 65 for just under four grand. So they're good. Sony have got OLEDs now. They're very good devices. Um, they're very good indeed. And then also Hisense have just hit the market. So they've got a 55-inch and they're in at two and a half grand. And I've heard some good pricing, good stories on the Hisense. Um, apparently their software is not as crisp as other manufacturers, but they're still not too bad. There's another um, technology where it's projected, but it's basically projected pretty much um, up onto the TV panel and then um, because of the way the actual pixels are and mirrors and everything on the panel are angled, um, the the picture then kind of gets reflected yeah, straight out. Mm. I'd have to have a look at that. Yeah. I know that there's laser projectors. I don't know if that's it. But. Yeah, same thing here because the last year's model was only a single laser and apparently this year's model's a um, – Double laser, and I think that's high sense as well. The other one to have a look at too, if you're into want a big TV, the seventy five inch TVs are dropped in price too. Yeah. You can get a Sony seventy five inch for under three grand now. Wow! And um, they've got an eighty five for just under six. Are they the Bravia models? Yeah, I have two out of the three TVs in my house. I've got two Bravias. I've got a 32-inch in this in our in my little study that I'm recording this in now, and I've got a um, 55 in the lounge room, and I've got a cheap Dick Smith TV in the, the other room. Um, I love my Sony TVs. I love them. Uh, it helps that I have a friend that works for Sony, but I still love my Sony TVs. Yeah, cool. So yes. Um, and I, they're at, uh, oh, my 32 inch is not, but my big TV is a Android. So there you go. It shows up as an Android device on my network. Now, the next one you threw in there was the Tesla Model 3. Yep. Pity we can't get them here yet. You can pre order. You can pre order, though. Yeah, probably won't yeah. get here before Christmas. The funny thing was. I went, uh, so they've got one in the Tesla store in the Chadson Shopping Centre near where I live. And um, I always thought the Model 3 would be, I wouldn't, like I thought it was going to be, because it was the cheaper one, it wouldn't be that good. Um, It doesn't have the same impact that 
the Model S stars and the Model X with that big portrait screen in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's good. It, I felt quite comfortable in it. Yeah, it doesn't have the Falcon doors either. No, but the cheaper models won't have the Falcon doors. Um, Tesla Tesla uh, put those Falcon doors on and it caused them all no issue of pain, I think, oh, well. deciding to build those Falcon doors. I think they had a lot of issues with them in their development. And that's why the Model X was delayed somewhat. Yeah, right. But that said, as much as I love the Falcon doors, if I had the money, I think I'd buy a Model S. Oh, okay. I don't know why. I think I just want the sedan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but the Model Three is very nice. So, and I know someone who's just bought a Hyundai. They're waiting for it to be delivered because it has a, it's so new, it hasn't got off the docks yet. But a Hyundai Ionic um, electric vehicle. How much are they worth? Roughly? About thirty, about forty grand. So they come in under the Model Three then, but the oh, way. well and truly. I mean, that's forty grand Australian mm. on the road. Wow. Compared to, I think the Model Three will be here in about seventy. Yeah. By the time you import it and do all that sort of stuff, yep. but yeah, and the spec that they will sell. But yeah, I'd love to get an EV, but uh, yeah, not going to happen anytime soon. And I was actually reading about the Kona. Um, so Kona is a the small SUV that they sell here in petrol guys, but uh, they've got there's an EV version out in the UK and the Europe at the moment. And I was watching a video on that, and they were raving about that. And that um, it's probably going to sell here for about fifty five grand. Oh well, so yeah, all good. Uh, next on the list, this is your one that you wanted to get, Shane. That you want to get a Timi T E M I robot. Yes, and it um, it looks like an iPad on wheels. Nah, pretty much. It was on um, the screensavers last week. There you go. So you can do uh, AI Assistant, um, Be Home, which I have no idea what that is, video calls. Uh, you can, it comes up to you and show you the news, personal DJ. Um, you can do de- – developers can do stuff for it, personal photographer. Um, personal caddy can bring over a bowl of cookies for you. The problem is someone's going to have to put the cookies on it. Yeah, that's true. And you can have it entertain you with some games. Yeah, and I'm just doing the checkout thing, and yeah, it looks like it's on a US. Bugger. Yeah. So they're selling it at the moment for 1500 US dollars. Yep. The problem is these robots, they look great, but they can't, like, other than the vacuum ones, which have their own issues, they can't really do anything. No, probably not. Yeah, I mean, this one, I mean, this one's got promise in that, you know, you could probably, um, like a vacuum thing in the in the base unit, so it could probably be a like a Roomba vacuum at the same time. Um, and you could probably, yeah, you still, it still wouldn't be, you'd still have to have arms of some sort so you could pick things up and you know, bring your drinks and stuff like that, but. Yeah, either that or you could go to the kitchen for you. Have someone already be in the kitchen, and then they that person puts the food on the little on the little stand thing. Yep, and then yeah, you know, take the food this back. to the kids. Yeah, that sort of stuff. 
But yeah, never mind. It's not delivered here. I got all excited over nothing. That's all right. It's all fine. Um, still, we still can get one at some stage. Um, the I could get it shipped to your US address. Well, you could if you wanted, to, and then I'm, I hate to know how much the cost would be to get it over here, though. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Um, the thing, the thing with the the ro- I think the robots will continue to develop though. Yep. The minute it can go and get me a beer out of the fridge, we know that we're in we're in some good territory. Yeah. The interesting thing about things like the vacuum cleaners and what have you, I actually was to- looking at one years ago, even before the vacuum robot vacuum cleaners became popular, was looking at um, robot lawn mowers. Oh, yeah. And the vacuum cleaners run on the same principle. If you don't vacuum your floor for a week and then you go and vacuum it, it's going to clog up your robot vacuum cleaner. Yep. So the intention of these things is that they actually do it every day, even twice a day. Yep. So that it's, it's becoming almost a preventative measure rather than a resolution type measure. Yep. And they were talking about the same thing with the robot. Um, lawnmower was that, like my issue is I get quite a thick lawn here, so when I mow it, it um, I, I get so much grass out of the catcher that I can I can almost fill up a full garden bin with it. Yeah. But the idea of the robot mower is that it will mow it every day. All right. Keep on top of it. And then because it's so short, it mulches it back into the into the grass into the garden bed. Oh, okay. Rather than letting it grow too long. Yep. So, but the thing was, with that particular unit, I don't know if it's changed now, I had to go around and bury um, cables around all the boundary lines of my lawn so it knew where to stop. Oh, uh, okay. That's the issue. They'd probably have more of a high-tech thing now where you'd probably just put, like, markers or something on the corners. Possibly. Yeah. I I personally would like to have a block of land big enough that I wouldn't need a normal lawnmower. I'd get a ride right on. on yeah. Oh yeah, I love a good ride on lawnmower. I'd wear a trucker hat too. <laughs> anyway, that's it for our gift guide. So we'll just quickly go through them again. So we've said in the th- uh, under one hundred dollar bracket, we've got the uh, Benevi or Benevi or Benev smart doorbell um, available from Amazon for sixty nine bucks. There's a couple of dash cams available, whether it be from Amazon, JB Hi-Fi, but they've all got some that are available for under $100. Between the $100 and $300 mark, we've got the Google Home Hub for $199 or the Lenovo Smart Display for $299. They're similar operating system. That's right, Shane? Yeah, they both use... Um, that Google Display or yeah, whatever it is. Yep. Um, so, uh, so it comes down to screen size and how much you want to spend, of course. Uh, and my other suggestion was the PlayStation Classic, which was that retro PlayStation gaming console from 1995 or whatever it was, um, and it's available for 149 um, Next was the 300 to $1,000 bracket, uh, the Anki Vector, the little mini robot that looks like a bulldozer, which is 449 bucks. The DJI Osmo Pocket, um, which is 599 uh, and that doesn't get released actually until the 15th of December. So if you want to get one of those, you need to get ready to buy it in, in about a week's time. Um, next one was the Sony wireless headphones for $399. Uh, 
So, Sonos Beam Soundbar 595 was my choice there. And I also said for the better, uh, for your better half, the Dyson, um, either the hairdryer or the curling iron that Dyson do. The air shaft or something. I don't know what they call it. Air shaft sounds wrong. Yeah. Um, and you've thrown in there the DJI Spark Flymore combo for seven fifty nine. Yep. Um, over a thousand. Your choice was the OnePlus Six T, a mobile phone from OnePlus, um, which we found it could be a bit hard to get here through legitimate fashion. But Kogan um, and uh, Dick Smith, same company, are selling it, and you can pick one up on Amazon as well through one of their third party retailers. Uh, an OLED TV. So would it be uh, LG seem to have the goods, but there are a few others out there being um, Hisense and Sony. Panasonic also have a unit as well. Uh, a Tesla Model 3. You've said technically it's over $1,000. It's well over $1,000. <laughs> but Or you could spend $1,000 on a to reserve a spot for yes. a loved one. There so you go. You. So if you actually put a down payment on it, you must get some bit of paper to say that you've put a down payment on it. Like a yeah, deposit. and if you pull out of the line, you get you a thousand bucks back. Yeah, so you could still have the proof before Christmas that you're buying a Model Three. Oh, absolutely. It's an interesting gift. By the way, I've spent a thousand bucks to get you in line so that you can spend sixty <laughs> on a car. Um. And you've also thrown in the Teamy personal robot. Yeah, again, could be hard to get over here. That's all right, but still good look, good looking device. I love it. Yeah, I'd love one. If I could control it remotely and then have it drive around the house with me on the video screen, that's what I really want. You could, yeah, because it's got a phone app and um, and it's an Amazon driven thing. I think. So cool. It's got Alexa in it. Ah, uh, so Alexa, come here. Oh shit. Did Alexa just go off? I can't see Alexa, you, I can't see how you could live. Do you with do you love me? I don't have human love figured out quite yet, but I've been listening to Barry White nonstop. So far, I've learned it's my first, my last, my everything. <laughs> hey Google, do you love me? Well, I love having a chinwag with you. Oh. Okay. Hey Siri, do you do you love me? Does Apple make iPhones? Interesting responses. Yeah. So Alexa gave us a very good history of Barry White. Shush, Alexa. Google was just boring, and Alexa, stop. And Siri was made an Apple joke. How can you live with the three different? Assistance. It's like a it's like a threesome. I mean as I said on Facebook the other day. <laughs> it's a weird room. As I said on Facebook the other day, it, it annoys me when there's a Google ad on TV and it wakes me Google home up. Yeah. I okay. We'll come back to this in a second. We're going to do this as a fa- farewell. So we went through the, the personal robot. Yes, there you go. So that is our gift guide for Christmas for a tech person. Yes. There we go. So that's it for our feature topic. Now, back to what we were discussing. (laughs) The important thing. (laughs) This room is weird. 
Trust me, it is a weird room. There is so much tech in here that it is unfathomable. <laughs> so from my position that I'm looking at now, I can see under the desk I've got a little stand here that's got a PlayStation 4 controllers. It's got a NUC, an Apple TV, a label printer. Um, I've had to buy a, a, a tall little plastic unit that just holds rechargeable batteries. I have a suitcase full of cables, and then I have another little case that's got, like, photography slash video gear in it. Yeah. Then on top of the desk, I've got an uh, a Echo Dot and a Google Home Mini and my phone, some chargers. I've had to mount a power board to the desk so I can power things. I've got, of course, the TV my computer, I've got a cord, a, an IP phone that I use for work. So then I also have a headset that I can plug into it and use as well. So I can use it like a work phone. And then directly above the computer, I have a bookcase that I've personally built and mounted to the wall that's full of books. That's about the only non-tech thing in this room. Are they taking new books? There's a few in there, yes. And there's also a, which I got given this as a gift, a adapter for my iPad that turns it into a pinball machine. All right. Um, I've got an on-air light. Yeah. Um, oh, well, I just dropped something on me. So for our, get, for our people at home, you can't see this, but Shane can see on the video feed I have an on-air light yep. because that's just how I roll. Um, some power boards. I have a, a piece of original artwork from a Queensland artist. It's a Ghostbusters sort of piece of art. And I actually have a second piece from him as well from Justice League. Um, what else is there? I've got my wedding photo album on the top shelf of that cupboard too. Looking over to the other side of the room, this gives an insight to how much stuff I've got. I've got this credenza. On the top shelf, I have stuff that, is collectible. So I have a Ghostbusters PKR meter, PKE meter that that works. <laughs> so you can turn it on and the arms go out and you can detect ghosts. I've got a Back to the Future hoverboard. I've got a Chevy Camaro Transformer. I've got an unopened box of Back to the Future Monopoly. Uh, uh, unopened packet of Back to the Future Yahtzee. I also have a Wilson volleyball from Castaway, mm-hmm. an original Wilson made Wilson. All right, with the with the face on it, yeah. Which is has only ever been out of its box once because it was used in a TV commercial. Um, an R two D two, a toy, um, and I've got a pair of Back to the Future two, um. Nike mags, but not original ones. They're a bit expensive. Yeah. They're costume ones. But they do light up, and you have to charge the shoes on USBs. <laughs> um, and then below that, I have Funko Pops. Um, I have the full set of Ghostbusters Funko Pops. I also have a Back to the Future DeLorean Funko Pop and the Back to the Future characters. I've got a Pickle Rick right, Funko Pop, if you're into Rick and Morty. And I have a Rick... Um, sticking his finger up. I have a Back to the Future, yeah, Funko Pops. I've got a Hot Wheels DeLorean uh, that is, I think, a one-tenth scale and a few other little DeLoreans. 
um, a Marty McFly and Doc Brown vinyl figures. I've even got a copy of. Hang on. Well, well, you when you hear this on the podcast, this will be paused. So it'll be very quick. But I'm going to go and grab it. Okay, so that should for our listeners be very quick. But uh, I have Back to the Future. I have Back to the Future on DVD slash Blu-ray. I think I've got Back to the Future trilogy on VHS, DVD, Region One DVD, Australian Blu-ray, and US Blu-ray. And this is a, an edition that I'm showing on screen uh, to Shane now, which is an edition I got for the 30th anniversary. So this is quite unusual in the sense that it has the Back to the Future Blu-ray trilogy in it, in a nice little um, uh, book with photos and everything. It also has the full Back to the Future complete animated series um, and a few other little postcards and goodies. But the case, the cover of it, if I'm correct, when you press this, it's a flux capacitor, and the flux capacitor lights up. Wow. I didn't see that yet. Love it. Did you, when you were in the US, one of the times you've been there, did you go to Warner Brothers and have a look at the um, the DeLorean that they've got over there? Um, can I be really rude and mm-hmm. criticize you there for a moment? Mm-hmm. The, 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 the DeLorean will not be at Warner Brothers. Where did I see it then? must have been Universal. Universal Studios. Yeah, it must have been Universal. So, yes, it was. I'm just being a shit. Um, Because it was Universal Movie. The DeLorean was there. It has actually fallen apart. Oh, really? Well, it did fall apart, and they've since had it restored, and the the A-car from the movie is in an auto movie museum in Los Angeles now. So, uh, the and fans, actually, the producer of the movie actually got fans, super fans, to actually restore it. Oh, wow. Really good documentary about it called Out of Time, the restoration of the Back to the Future DeLorean. Very cool. Um, And the guy who did led the restoration team has got his own Back to the Future DeLorean, which is what Universal use as their um, car for events and stuff. Oh. And, um, in fact, his car was actually one that was on the Oscars a couple of years ago with Seth Rogen and Michael J. Fox. Well, is that the same one that was it the Oscars? I know that they both of them came out on a talk show. Uh yeah, Doc Brown. So um, Christopher Lloyd and um, Marty came out on Jimmy Kimmel. I'm not sure what car they came out on on that. No, okay. I'd have to look that up. But yeah, so I'm a bit of a Back to the Future fan, um, and I I I am limited by money and space. No, oh, okay. Um, see the on a related topic, the the new movie that's got Steve Carell in it. Yes. Um, um uh, I can tell you the name. Yeah, it's where he plays a like a G.I. Joe kind of doll and it's a it's a true story, it's about a uh, it's a documentary movie thing. Um, I think it's a based on a true story and then they've turned it into a, a movie, of course. Yeah. Um, no, that's the wrong imdb.com. And I'm just the, um, the, the name is on the top of my toe, the uh, top of my uh, tongue, but I can't think of it. Um, he was on, um, is, he was on Graham Norton the other night. Oh, come on. Type correctly. 
Steve Carell, and it is um, Welcome to Marwin. Yeah, sounds right. So there you go. So and but there is a link to Back to the Future. Yeah, same producer or director or something. Same director, Robert Zemeckis. So there you go. Um, yeah, so Robert Zemeckis uh, has directed it. So that actually looks cool, and I would be looking forward to seeing that. So with uh, all the three Back to the Futures, since you're a Back to the Future guru, yes, it's the same director for all three. Yes, same director and writer. So it's not like where they did Star Wars where it's been different directors oh, no, 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 and no, no. stuff. Okay. So the the Back to the Future was designed as a single movie by itself yep. and then they threw in the flying car at the end as a bit of a gag and then they went, well, if we do a sequel, we have to make the car fly. Mm. We didn't think about that too much, did we? <laughs> so there you go. Uh. Um. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, Interesting. Um, the, what was I going to say before we finish up? There was something else I was going to throw into the mix as well. Um, what, back to oh, feature, like? there was some, no, but movie related. Mm-hmm. Have you, uh, now I'm going to give a, sp- a sort of a spoiler alert right now. So if you're not, uh, if you haven't seen something, or uh, the Avengers Infinity War, um, we will, um, I would say turn off now. We're finished with the main part of the podcast anyway. Yep. Have you seen Avengers Infinity War, show? No, but I'm not a fan, so that's fine. Okay, that's all right then, because then I'm going to spoil it for you. Yeah. So they all died. No, well, actually, half of them did. Um, so, yeah, at the end of uh, Avengers Infinity War, Thanos did his snap, and half of uh, 50% of the, the entire universe disappeared mm-hmm. uh, as a way for population and control and things like that. So the trailer for uh, Avengers, end, uh, they've announced the name of the film because they hadn't announced what it's going to be called until you saw the title card on the trailer. Oh, because it was like, on because I've seen things on the net where it was just called Avengers 4 or something. Yeah, so it's now called Avengers Endgame. Yeah. So um, basically we see uh, Tony Stark about to die on a, uh, on a spaceship and um, uh, and like Steve Rogers and what have you, uh, left on Earth, Thor, you know, going, what's happened? They're all looking a bit sorry for themselves. And they assume that Scott Lang being Ant-Man has gone. But as we saw at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp, he was stuck in the quantum realm. But what it actually means is that we think that's, that... Um, uh, um, Ant-Man, I can never remember his character's name. Scott, um, Scott, what's his name? But the guy who played, the, like, so Paul Rudd is the, the actor, but the, the character was in the quantum realm at the end of the movie. He got out of the quantum realm despite the fact that his girlfriend and her parents, who are scientists, all got disintegrated. So the thing was, was that, um, so that to me is a major part of what the story is going to be about. Yep. And we also know that Spider-Man is going to survive because he, dis- he disintegrated at the end of Infinity War, but they're about to release the trailer for Far From Home, which comes out in July next year. So, so Spider-Man is part of the Avengers? Yes. So um, Spider-Man had the deal signed off for Sony 
So Sony owned Spider-Man. Mm. Um, Marvel wanted Spider-Man to be part of the Avengers, and Sony had sort of made a bit of a stuff up of their Spider-Man world. Um, so they came up with a deal that Marvel will produce the films and effectively have creative content control over them, but any Spider-Man film will be under the Sony Pictures banner. And they will finance it. Um, but then um, Spider-Man is can appear in Avengers films. Oh, okay. As an ensemble cast member. Because you got the original Spider-Man with Spider-Man's, like one, two, three with what's his name in it? The um, – I can't remember his name. He was in that horse Toby, movie. Toby Maguire. Yeah, yeah. He was in the horse movie as well. Then you had the one where um, the guy from – the social network, yeah, him. He was in the the next lot of Spider Man movies. So, are they related or are they a, a parallel thing? No. Or? So, so Spider Man, the Spider Man one, two, and three with Tobey Maguire were Sam Raimi directed. Um, Spider Man one was quite good. Spider Man two, not too bad. Spider Man three, I thought was weird, yeah. and it didn't appeal to me, and it basically killed that Spider Man trilogy off. So go forward about five or six years, they decided to reboot it again with Andrew Garfield. Spider-Man, the amazing Spider-Man did reasonably well, so they made a sequel, and it just didn't really work. They they sort of, they didn't know what to do with it. And then Marvel were having their success with their MCU on the side. So Sony decided they wanted the Marvel touch, um, and they would... Um, so they would license the character back to Marvel, you know, with caveats. The same thing is actually in play in a, in a different way, um, and I don't know the, obviously the exact details of it, but the same thing for the Incredible Hulk. Universal have rights to the Incredible Hulk, but he's allowed to appear in Marvel films in an ensemble film. Okay. So he's in the Avengers. He was in Thor Ragnarok that sort of thing. Yep. But if there was a a Hulk standalone film, it would come un, out under Universal Movies, which the Edward Norton Hulk film did, and that had a cameo from Tony Stark at the end of it. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Right. And then there's suggestion that even, and depending on how they, whether they do that as part of, whether it's a post-trailer scene or whatever, or they just wait until phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is guess what? X-Men are back in the fold. Oh, yeah. The the Disney 20th Century Fox merger has happened. Yep. Um, and I have a feeling that we might see something to do with the X-Men at the end of Infinity or the end of Avengers Endgame. So, um, yeah, uh, Avenger, uh, X-Men are back in. Fantastic Four could get rebooted. Um, yeah. Yeah, they Massive should, things. They should bring Jessica Alba back in for that. Yeah, not going to happen. <laughs> Too far gone now. Too far gone. She's off doing makeup and her own excruciatingly successful business. Yeah. I think she's a billionaire or something now. Yeah, she's like the twins from um, Full House. Yes. Mm. Anyway. So that's enough about movie talk. We threw that little bit in at the end of the the section with some spoilers. So we can um, actually we can generate another podcast just based on movies. 
Yeah, we could, and I think we do need to do that at some point. Yeah, sounds good. Anyway, that's it for My Tech Opinion, episode number 34. Um, we're going to be back with next week, probably with one more before the end of the year, do you reckon? Yeah, we could squeeze one in if you want. It's up to you, Shane. What do you think? Well, I don't have much of a life, so I've got nothing else to do. <laughs> All right. So we'll do one more next week, and then we're going to have a break over Christmas, New Year, and we're back in mid-January, um, which I'm hoping to squeeze in because I've got to remove everything out of my house. So uh, we're going to talk about online book publishing next week. We talked a bit about music publishing last week. We'll look at what the differences between that and online book publishing is next week on My Tech Opinion. If you've got any questions uh, or feedback or abuse that you want to hurl or your love of Jessica Alba or your inanimate um, Amazon slash Google-based products, send us an email, mytechopinion at prosumeit.com. Or if you happen to be an online book author slash publisher and you want to be a guest. Yes. That is a great idea. I love it. Tell us how you publish your book. We're going to do some research anyway. But we'd like to hear your experiences. Send us through. And if you're interested in even next Sunday afternoon, Sunday the 14th or something like that, or whatever date it is, no, 16th. Yeah, 16th. 16th. Um, We'd love to talk to you. Anyway, we're going to finish it up right now. Make sure you join us next week for episode number 35, and that'll probably be it for the year. Shane, thank you as always. No worries, Phil. Thank you. And we'll see everyone next week on My Tech Opinion. Have a good one, everyone, and we'll see you then. Wow.